This podcast is supported by Creative Nation, a music company that motivates people to become the best version of themselves by valuing their unique talents. Founded by Grammy Award-winning songwriter and producer Luke Layard and Billboard power player Beth Layard, Creative Nation is home to Lori McKenna, Barry Dean, Tyler Johnson, Steve Mokler, Casey Brown, Cassie Ashton, Bear Reinhardt, Alec Bailey, Jonathan Hutcherson, and Travis Wood. With 56 radio singles since its opening, 16 of which have reached number one, this company relies on passion, innovation, and inspiration to make the boldest moves in music entertainment. Visit www.creativenationmusic.com to learn more. Young Entertainment Young Entertainment Professionals Young Entertainment Professionals You're listening to the Young Entertainment Professionals Podcast, a series featuring the next generation of creative and business professionals in music, TV, and film. Hear their stories on navigating the industry with the help of the Young Entertainment Professionals Network. Go off of what feels good to you. Where do you feel at home on stage? Where do you feel like you're going to be able to make a connection with your fans? Your stage is your living room. Miss Emily Hackett, welcome to the Young Entertainment Professionals podcast. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, How's quarantine? Are you in Nashville? I'm in Nashville. Quarantine is what it is, you know, I Uh think I'm finding week by week how to make the best of it. Um, took about two and a half, maybe a full three weeks to figure out how not to kill, uh, the person that I live with. Um, but I think we're, you know, week seven, we're, we're doing pretty well. Learned how to make a lot of recipes. Um, and I'm no cook. Like I really don't like cooking. So I've had to kind of learn to love it. I started a garden. Nice. Um, yeah. That's yeah, been good. What have you been planting? Well, um, first and foremost, I've spent a lot of time weeding because I let our backyard become this jungle. So I think I spent more time doing that than anything else. But um, the thing that's actually kind of magical about it is that the woman who lived in this house before we did actually gardened all the way up through like her nineties and she had all these gorgeous perennials in the backyard and I'm discovering them as I'm weeding things away. So it's really cool to just notice all of a sudden I have this rose bush and I have peonies and I have irises, all these plants that I was like completely unaware of. So that's been a very cool thing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And it's happened just in time for springtime. So I mean, like I know everybody in my neighborhood is gardening and mowing their lawn all at one time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is horrible for my allergies, but I'm like, at least people are taking care of their yards, you know? Yeah. 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 I feel that the allergy train is, uh, it's real right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so you've been at home. Um, I'm sure have you been making music as well? I have been, um, I definitely have, have still been writing, uh, doing some zoom rights, you yeah. know, figuring out that new territory and, uh, and trying to just, you know, really just write when I feel inspired to, I think that that's always something that's been kind of tricky for me is it's like the, the resistance, having to fight the resistance of creativity and, um, 
I think this makes it even a little bit more challenging to yeah. force yourself to sit down and, and be creative when you've, I, I don't know, I'm speaking for a lot of artists and I think that's just because I've talked to a lot of them that this creative well right now is a little bit shallow considering we're not having those same interactions that we're used to. And I think that oftentimes we get a lot of ideas or inspiration from conversations that we have with people or I don't know, attending a show or something like that. So I think that's been challenging for sure on top of, you know, the technological aspect of, of it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, we've been finding other ways. Um, and I see say we, because my husband is a songwriter as well. And so we've just been kind of trying to get creative musically outside of writing as well. Nice. Um, we have decided to maybe spend some, like every other week we've kind of been doing cover songs and seeing how we can pitch those for licensing opportunities. Um, it's nice to be able to stretch our creativity without having to worry about the actual writing of the song. It's like, okay, how do we reimagine something that already exists? And so that's a new thing that I think we were already doing a little bit of that here and there, but when your main job is kind of, is the writing part, um, that's, it's hard to take your focus away from that. But now we just have a little bit of extra time to, to play around with other things. Yeah. So. An experiment. And speaking yeah. of cover songs that you've done, I, I know that it's a Christmas song, but you covered River by Joni Mitchell, which is oh, like yeah. one of my all time favorite. I actually, is, I made a stay at home playlist um, a while ago and put it on there because it's just, it's nice. beautiful. So, um, is are the is that the kind of genre that you typically like to cover? Or do you like to, you know, have a variety? I would say a variety for sure. Um, I've always been just like a song person. I don't. I'm not. It's kind of funny discovering that, and because you know, I have conversations with my producer or peers or whatever, and we're, yeah, you know, people have been picking out their like top four most influential albums or things like that, and that's really hard to to decide, I think for anybody, but I realized how difficult it was for me to pick entire albums. Um, because I was such a song person growing up. Like if I heard a song on the radio, I could have no idea who it was. And I might not even ever dig into their catalog any further than that song. But if I loved the song, then I loved the song. So I'm like that still now, like I'll cover Joni Mitchell's stuff because I'm, I love that song. And, but then I'll equally like for a while there, a few years ago, I was covering, um, a Zane song. Love it. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place. It really depends, but it, it just comes down to like the nuances and the melodies of the song. Because I think if, if the melody is super cool, then you can reimagine it in a lot of different ways. So yeah, we just did a take on me the aha song oh my gosh you did where yeah. is, it, is it on where can people find so, it because i want to watch that i haven't put it out yet and i'm i'm kind of deciding if i want to so that was one of the, the licensing opportunities that were um that we were looking at and so i might wait until maybe an opportunity comes with it before i put it out i might just put it out because i, I have fallen in love with the kind of folk pop play that we did on it yeah and um so yeah it's just fun to reimagine things that i mean just totally different from 
the way that you're used to hearing it. So I'm all about that 80 cent, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so great. Um, so I want to talk about your newest single. You put out um, a video, a lyric video for it. It's called my yeah. version of a love song and it's so catchy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the story behind that song is just kind of, it's just so real and funny. I, my producer, um, Davis Nash, he, okay. Yeah. As a Nashvilleian, a unicorn. Um, he recently actually moved out to LA. Um, but we still work together a bunch. And before he moved, this might've been like, could have been one of the last few songs we wrote together. Um, but I walked in and I had had a conversation with Mikey, my husband, uh, about, he made a joke kind of, but serious that I never wrote any songs about him. <laughs> and so of course, which made me roll my eyes and, and I realized, okay, you know, maybe I should give this, give this a go. And I told that story to Davis and like in a manner where I was still kind of rolling my eyes about it. And he looked at me and was like, I think it's time. I think we should try to, we should try to do that today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I just said the thing, the reason why I had never tried to write like a love song like that with somebody that I was in love with or about somebody I was in love with was just because it felt so like corny to do that. Like I just couldn't get behind. I love love songs. Don't get me wrong. Like I'll listen to love songs. It just felt weird me being the one to do it and trying yeah. to come up with all these like ways to say, I love you that hadn't been said before. And so I said, well, if we do it, I just have to do like my version of a love song. And he just looked at me and was like, sounds like that's what we're writing today. So we did that. And, um, the music video came about just because I was like, I really had no idea how to put something together. It was kind of right right before quarantine was becoming a thing and um and so I just was like well the song itself was so real and me and us then why wouldn't we just make the music video that same way mm. and uh the lyrics were also really important for me um the, you know the song kind of can go by quickly so I wanted people to watch the video and have a, an opportunity to be like oh what is she saying right there or to like catch the little moments that were my favorite lyric pieces. So I worked with a girl named Amber Robb, um, who just kind of pieced together. I threw at her like so much footage and so much content from years of us dating. And then I actually wrote out the lyrics, um, myself in my handwriting and just like sent her all of that. So she just oh, started wow. kind of piecing things together and collaging it and She's amazing. So it was a really cool collaborative piece. Well, it looks really cool. And I love that it was released during quarantine season too, because I feel like it gave something for people, you know, to feel uplifted and like really see the inside of your process. Because now that you're kind of talking about what it meant for you to make a lyric video out of it, um, do you feel like lyric videos give listeners and fans an insight and a vision into like what you were thinking about when you wrote that song? Totally, especially if you do it that's what I wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what I always get watching lyric videos or I used to love, you know, like opening up a CD and reading the lyrics along with the song. And I think that that's definitely something that's 
been somewhat lost in the, the digital age. Um, so I love, you know, there's a website called, uh, genius and they, they post a bunch of lyrics and you can kind of do a little bit more digging on the song. And I don't know, I'm just so into that. So I was like, well, how do I, I want the lyrics to matter, but I don't, I do think that like just reading down lyrics and like waiting for an instrumental section to go by. Yeah. You could get distracted. You know, we are a little ADD. We are. So I was like, all right, how do we just still make it? How do we still keep it interesting and engaging while being able to show a little insight into the the mind behind it all? So 100%. Um, so your collaboration process. So like when you're in the writing room or on zoom, um, are you the person that takes on the melodic structure or lyric, or is it like a little bit of both for you? Like what's your role, so to speak? I think it definitely depends on who it's with and what mood I'm in. Um, I'm, I, there's not really a foolproof answer for me on that one. There never really has been, um, because there are times that I sit down and will journal, like free write a whole page on something. And then I walk into a write and that's like the only thing I have that day. Like I don't have a melody or whatever. And I'm just like, well, I did this free write and I'll read it out loud. And it might trigger somebody else to be like, oh, that's a really cool thought. And so I like always coming into a write with something. If it's yeah. a free write, if it's a title, if it's just a melody and I don't even know what chords are supposed to be played underneath it, I like to have like a tidbit of something. Um, especially if I'm writing for myself that day, but there's plenty of days where I could come in and, and there's somebody else in the room who has the tidbit that excites me. And so we're running and gunning off of something that I couldn't have prepared for. Um, and they're all equally fun, you know, it just depends on what kind of mood everybody's in and what the room wants to say that day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure like it keeps it, you know, fresh and interesting for you that way as well. Definitely. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who are some of your favorite people to write with? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, I've discovered a lot of like, I mean, I have like my tried and true people, but then I've also discovered a lot of like newer people the, the last few years that are fun to work with. Um, but I mean, I'll say Davis, my producer is somebody that I work very easily with, um, and, and consistently or as consistently as we can now being across the country. But, um, Adam James is one of my, one of my closest friends and also just a phenomenal writer. He's always been one of my favorites in town. And mm-hmm. I love how versatile he can be. Um, Brie Kennedy, I enjoy working with, uh, she's become a close friend over the, the last year or so. And she's like a little fountain, just, just keeps like spitting out new ideas. And I have to like catch them yeah. in there and be like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, and, uh, man, I'm trying to think of like people every, I feel like every time I'm asked this question, I immediately am like a deer in the headlights, like, oh, uh, who are the people that I know and love? Oh my gosh, oh, I can't remember. So there's a, there's just so many great collaborators in Nashville and I'm always most inspired by just people who say things differently. People who come at an idea from ass backwards and you're like, 
whoa, I would have never right. thought about it that way. Um, those are the people that when I either see them perform it, I'm also very much inspired by other artists in town. I think I'm an artist who likes to work mm. with artists, but, um, but then, you know, there's also the, the argument that every songwriter has their artist voice and whether or not they choose to become a performing artist is just totally a choice that they make. They, they're always going to bring their artist voice into the room. So I think what, whatever makes you unique, um, is what I'm drawn towards in terms of like trying to get in the room with somebody. As an independent artist, where's the freedom in being, being able to kind of create what you want to create and how have you managed your time? Time management is a thing that I'm not always good at, but I, you know, there is, that is the plus side. Uh, Probably one of the biggest plus sides of being an independent artist is that you don't really have a label or whatever in, in your ear being like, you need to do this and you need to do this or whatever, but you do have yourself in Mm -hmm. doing that, you know, and I'm definitely a, I'm a kind of a type A person and a little bit of a control freak. And so I, that subconscious voice is, is pretty loud. Um, so I think like, I just try to give myself the space every other day. Like I kind of look at a week and if it's completely packed with creative stuff and like just songwriting and performing, of course that's going to be like a really fulfilling week for my spirit. But then I'm going to be having to play, be playing mad catch up like the next week for things that I just kind of let fall the wayside, whether it's trying to, trying to book something, trying to book more rights. Like I'm in charge of my own calendar too. So I have to be prepared to book, you know, rights two, three weeks from now Mm -hmm. farther than that. And then I have to be on top of like my touring schedule and make sure that I get rehearsals in with the band and I got to schedule those too. So there are a lot of like logistics and things like that. So I've tried to learn over the years that, um, if I give myself like kind of like an every other day situation where like, all right, today's a day to be creative and to just do music and make music. And then tomorrow's a day to, get my shit together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that tends to work for me for, uh, in in terms of live shows, what kind of advice do you have for somebody that's, you know, just getting started out trying to find like the right venue to perform at or applying for a festival or something and, you know, figuring out, okay, what am I ready for this or ways to go about even pitching yourself to a venue? Yeah, man, that's, um, (laughs) That's a learning process for sure. I think uh, in the very beginning when I like played my very first show by myself, I really had no clue what I was doing. And um, what I decided would be best for me personally, I really can only speak from that place, um, was to learn from another artist directly. And so I... I kind of like looked to my peers and my friends that were doing really well touring, but were still, um, without a booking agent's help. And so I found my buddy Keelan Donovan Yeah, and he does all of his own booking. Um, he might be working with a booking agent now, but at the time he was doing everything in 
the boy was always on the road. So I was like, okay, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to talk to venues. He knows how to talk himself up. And so I really just, I hit him up and was like, can we do like a short run together? Like maybe give me a week, give me a couple weeks and I'll, I'll just open for your dates or we'll co-headline or whatever's easiest. And he was down for it. Um, so I learned a lot of the ropes from him and, you know, it's funny that the things that you learn as an independent artist, like (laughs) how venues, it's such a chicken or the egg thing, right? Yeah. A venue wants somebody to be speaking on your behalf, but you got to get good enough gigs to get somebody to be speaking on your behalf. So you do kind of have to play a little bit of the game and there's no shame at all in creating a different email account. That's, Emily Hackett booking and Mm -hmm. it's somebody else sending the email, but it's really me. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's pretty, I've had those hilarious conversations when, you know, a venue calls me and they call me by the name and the the fake name that I've given them in the email and I got to pretend to be somebody else for a minute. And it's just, you know, that's just the reality of it. When you're in the beginning, you can talk to so many artists in town who have all done it. So I recommend talking yourself up. Like it is really hard to, to take yourself out of your head in that moment when you're sending an email about yourself. But I think when you put a fake name in front of it or, or, you know, if you have the means to hire somebody to do it or a friend who wants to get into, to management or who wants to get into touring or whatever it is, um, see if they'll help you out and they can be the one kind of talking you up. But, it's nice to just like, you want to keep it brief. I'll tell you that much because they really don't like responding to emails and you want to just give them, you know, the facts that they're looking for. What kind of music do you make? Where are you from? And how many people do you think you can bring out to the show? And be realistic about that too. Because if you say you can bring a hundred people to a show, that's going to make anybody excited. And if you only end up bringing 25, 30 people out to a show, they're really not going to be happy and they're probably not going to ask you to come back. Mm. So I just try to find, or, you know, before I started working with WME, I would try to find um, different artists that are music matched and I could be a good fit to open for. And uh, in town, I mean, yeah, you start with a smaller venue, but I still like I could, I've played third and Lindsley and can get people out to third and Lindsley, but, I still love playing the basement. So go off of what feels good to you. Where do you feel at home on stage? Where do you feel like you're going to be able to make a connection with your fans? And I think you just nailed it there by saying feeling at home. Because that's where you're going to shine your brightest and be your best self, you know, for everybody. You want to feel like your your stage is your living room. (laughs) That's 100%. Yes. Mamba knows that responsible business and financial management is the key to lasting success. Their team helps new artists gain solid financial footing to launch successful careers and help industry veterans maintain strong financial foundations. Martin, Albie, Miller, Bryan, and Associates is located on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee, and has been serving the business and financial needs of the music industry since 1981. For more information, call 615-383-1161 or visit them online at martinalby.com.
Um, so you've been involved with Yep with Yep shows before. Yeah. Correct. So talk about your experience with that and, you know, how you got involved with performing for, you know, our community, but those as well who are familiar with what Yep does. Well, Yep shows are just fun. Like end of story Mm -hmm. there. I've, I remember that being a, uh, a goal of mine. Um, whenever the first one was that I did, it was the, the nineties one. And that the beginning of that year, I was like, you know, writing down my different like New Year's goals or whatever. And one of them was play a Yep show. Nice. And so when I got asked to do that one, I was ecstatic because, I mean, my number one choice of song was obviously going to be a Sheryl Crow song. And so (laughs) it was just a blast being able to open up that show, too, because that was the first song of the night. So that brought such a fun energy to like kick the show off. And I... I really was like one of the more, um, one of the lesser known acts that night. So it was also very cool for me to just feel, uh, welcomed into a community and get a chance to, to network and get to know the other artists and the musicians that I was working with that night. And, um, really the relationship just grew from there. And so it's always an honor and always, just a good time to be able to play those yep shows and you you also have to you know that's another interesting like preparation preparing for your own shows with your own band is one thing but getting together you know making sure that you know a cover song um is so i honestly find it oftentimes more challenging than learning one of my own songs and so you got to make sure you know that well enough to get up there and not sing it to a karaoke track, but sing it with a live band who's looking for cues. And if you screw up, they you better trust that they can follow you. And it's, there's a lot of there's a lot to it. So um, yeah, it just was it was nice to be able to like work with a band that I didn't know and and learn what it feels like to have like you know mutual respect for for an event that's happening that really it has nothing to do with highlighting. Right. you as the artist you're highlighting this like this whole thing i love that and yeah and of course like the band knowing how you would cover that song in particular yeah i'm sure is a yeah. whole other thing um so speaking of shows i want to talk about your jam sessions the jam session that you just did with bmi oh yeah that was that was fun so um i know bmi was doing doing these jam sessions with a bunch of different artists and <clears throat> they hit me up about it I think it was like a couple of weeks ago now. So I just, uh, they wanted two or three songs and a little bit of story in between, but you know, enough to just kind of keep it light. And so, yeah, I just, I found a, found one of three or four different kind of vibey spots in the yeah. house and set up a camera and I saw where it songs. went um live today on Twitter and I was like oh my gosh I have to ask her about that so yeah, yeah it was fun I'm not used to I haven't really done like the YouTube premiere thing yet mm-hmm. um most of the things that I've been doing during quarantine have been live so that was kind of cool I like the idea of you know pre-taping it and then premiering it so that I could actually be involved in like the chatting element of it because I think the hardest part when I go live on like Facebook and Instagram is I love being able to be in the moment and, and try to talk to fans like while I'm on there. But I also run the risk of 
accidentally like reading a comment while I'm singing. <laughs> and then I completely am like, oh God, where am I? Like I will lose. I mean, I've laughed at myself a few times. Luckily I haven't had to like start any song over or anything, but I'll, I'll give myself like an extra bar because mm-hmm. I'll just totally get distracted by what's happening. So it's nice to not have to worry about reading the comments and like playing at the same time when you do like the premiere thing. Yeah. So. And then you can watch your own live show, which is kind of cool. So yeah, premiere. I guess yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like it's like when, when uh, actors go to their own premieres and they, yes. they're like, they hate sitting in there watching. That's kind of how I feel. But <laughs> I gotcha. I love that. Well, um, I want to ask you a little bit about how you're involved with our LA chapter. Um, which is relatively new. So talk about what you've done with that chapter of Yep and what you love about it being on the West Coast. Well, um, first of all, I love Maya. And uh, she's pretty freaking awesome. She is pretty freaking awesome. I just think that she's been, you know, she's always been a little force of nature. And it's really cool that she has... um, she has the knowledge of what was happening in Nashville to be able to, you know, move to LA and take a lot of that with her and mm-hmm. start something completely fresh. So it's been fun watching that kind of unfold. And, um, and then actually my sister is on the board as well, uh, which is really fun for me too, because she is not technically in the music industry. She is in, uh, she's still in the entertainment industry. She mm-hmm. makes uh, movie trailers. So oh, I love that. That's been cool to see like how really how involved the other elements of entertainment have been in LA because we don't have as much of that in Nashville. Right. So I love watching the events that they put together for like, okay, we're going to have these three artists who are specifically like sync artists Mm -hmm. come play these songs. And we're going to make sure that invites go out to, you know, people who are music supervisors and people who are going to make those decisions to potentially put those songs into placements. And so that is like just really smart, I think. And, and for songwriters to show up to that, um, whether you want to get into the sync world or not, it's just very insightful. Um, and yeah, I don't, I can't, I'm trying to think, I don't think that I've actually gotten a chance to do a yep event. I feel like I have because I, I'm constantly, uh, just keeping up with what they're yeah. doing, but, um, I don't think I've gotten to do one yet myself, but I, I spend a lot of time out in LA, so it's only a matter of time, I'm sure, before I get to, to jump on something like that, but it's I- very cool. I've always been really fascinated with the sync world. Like yeah. I've always loved talking to, um, you know, for just different platforms, talking to people that either write for sync or they've just gotten magically placed on something and they've, you know, gotten their start that way. Have you, have, have you done much sync writing before or? I haven't done a ton of okay. sync writing, but I'm, it is something that I'm uh, doing more and more of and and have made it clear that I want to do more of it. Um, So like Davis is another example of somebody who is great in that world and has a lot of uh, experience. So he's kind of uh, helped be a guide in terms of, you know, he'll bring in a a person who really, that's their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Um, The last time I was there, we, we wrote with somebody who, you know, was like a sync genius. And so it's really interesting 
how different that writing process is to me than writing something for your artistry. And sometimes you can find a happy medium that works out great. You know, or if you're an artist like Bon Iver, you're yeah. kind of, you're in a good situation. Um, but it's, it's, there's a lot of like rules to it that you wouldn't think exist. Like, you know, as an, we like to be poetic as songwriters, right? Yeah. But then I, I can come up with a line and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then the sync person will be like, well, you kind of need to actually make that a, a little bit like easier to more palatable to, gi- to, to digest. digest. Yeah. Or you can't use a word that sounds like it has a negative connotation because most of the things that they're looking for are going to be upbeat, you know, for, it just depends. But that's like, that also depends. Like if you're writing for something that you're hoping to be used for a scene in Grey's Anatomy where somebody's dying versus writing a song for a UPS, like shipping commercial where everybody's like happy and up. So there's just a lot of different things you can do with it. And um, I'm definitely learning, but I, I did have one funny story where I was working with um, a company in LA and it was actually just like a work for hire. And, uh, and I, I wrote this little, it was like a, I think the prompt was like Ellie Golding mixed with Charlie XCX plus whatever, you know, and like make it sound like that. And so it took a few tries to kind of get this and we turned something in and I don't remember how many months later it was, but I was, I was with Mikey and his family and we were about to watch a movie that we had like bought on FX. And so, you know, there's like the commercial comes up and it was showing like a preview for all these different movies on FX. And I hear this voice. What? And I was like, gosh, this sounds so familiar. And I was just sitting there like, oh my, oh my God, that's me. Wait, that's my, like, I had no idea that they had used it because it was a work for hire situation. So like they don't let you know whether or not the song is going to be used in that situation because you don't, you don't have to like go through the licensing process that you would for, and for other situations. So I learned my lesson in that sense too. Like you're probably better off not doing the work for hire because you're going to make better money mm, yeah. um, on the other side of things. But it was equally cool hearing it actually be placed in an FX commercial. So as a surprise, yeah, surprise feature. (laughs) Merry Christmas to me. Exactly. Um, I, I want to talk a bit about your sound in particular as an artist. Um, how do you identify with a certain genre or do you just, is it like a variety, you know, what's been the struggle, but also the, you know, advantage of that. Variety is a good word I think I I I do because like I said earlier I was such a song girl I think that led me to be very much influenced by all kinds of genres um everything from Joni Mitchell folk stuff to uh being like like a sublime fan and um, and Cheryl Crow and the Beatles. And I mean, you name it, like, and I grew up in Atlanta. So like, I obviously listened to rap and R and B too. And like, I, I really was not, um, anti anything. And so it wasn't really until 
I moved to Nashville and was writing more consistently that I like, like started figuring out where, you know, where the inspiration like found a home. And, uh, and that was very much a development process. Like it was writing with different people. Of course, like if I was going to write with somebody who, who primarily grew up on country, then the song that we got at the end of the day was probably going to lean that way because if they had a heavy influence genre wise, like I really was just going for the best song and I still am. Mm. Um, yeah. So now like with my own stuff, I think I'm, I'm trying to put my foot down a little bit more in terms of like what, what I consider me versus what I consider something that I would be okay with somebody else cutting something that I feel comfortable pitching. Um, sometimes that decision is still really hard though. I think there are songs that maybe come off as, as, um, leaning more country or Southern rock. And, and I, that those are the ones that I kind of walk the line on being like, is this me or is this somebody else? Uh, because I'll put my story into it. And that is what makes me feel kind of like, like I want to hold it close. Yeah. But I think over the last year, I've really, I don't like being confined to a genre. So I, I don't really have, it's hard to describe where I sit, but I do think that it, it lives in a world where lightning 100 can play it. You know, it can live on like an alternative rock or an alternative pop station it might not live in like top 40 anything, but you know, it'd be great if it did. I think it just, people are listening to so many different kinds of music these days that I don't really think genre is necessary. Yeah. Um, not to mention the fact that artists change a lot and like, look at John Mayer, for example, you know, from Room for Squares to the most recent stuff that he's put out, he's he's done a lot of different things. And it still remains in this, like, it still is the heart of a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is where I land, too. I'm always going to have the heart of a singer-songwriter. It just depends on, like, what the production is that day um, that will make it land on whatever mood playlist or what, you know, that it, that they think it belongs on. So, um, I've been appreciative over the last few years of like country taking me under their wing, um, for the most part, but I also, I equally am eager to reach the ears of people who don't listen to country. Um, and I think that I've, I've also been really thankful for lightning 100 being an advocate of that. So Lighting 100 is awesome. I feel like I did, like early on, you know, when I moved to Nashville, because I, I think you just said you were, you're from Atlanta. Yeah. I'm from Georgia as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Augusta. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, moved here to go to Belmont and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. But um, when I moved here, when I was listening to them, that's where I discovered most of my favorite independent artists. They've been totally. so good to that community and I'm just glad that they're around and you know, we can call them like a part of Nashville. Absolutely. And I mean, it's funny too, because 
I mean, I know that they're biased, but like my parents still choose to listen to Lightning 100 and they live in California. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, it started from a place of them wanting to catch my song coming on the radio, but now they're like, we love the artists that we're finding yeah. on Lightning 100. And I'm like, yeah, because every, honestly, every city should have a, a station like Lightning because of course there's like a ton of artists in Nashville that they have in rotation and they, they can constantly be updating that. Um, but there's plenty of cities outside of Nashville too, that have really amazing underground artists and, yeah, you know, they're, they're just really, really special in that way. So I'm super appreciative of them kind of opening doors for all kinds of, of artists who might've not known how else to do it. hundred percent. Well, this has been so fun. Thank you for spending yeah. time with me and sharing your story. And, you know, thanks I, for asking. Of course. I wish you all the best. And um, where where can people follow you, stream your music? All the things. <laughs> um, so, well, I'm in the middle of updating my website. I'm super excited because it's going to look dope. But uh, emilyhackett.com has like all kinds of stuff. Um, but then my Spotify is, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. It's all under Emily Hackett. And then my Instagram and Twitter are at Miss underscore Emily Hackett. It's MS underscore Emily Hackett with two T's. Love it. <laughs> do, people, do people get it mixed up? Sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious because it's usually like some of my closest friends that still send me a text, Emily Hackett with one T. And I'm like, who are you? No. <laughs> You've seen my name thousands of times. Get it right, you know? Awesome. It's Siri's fault. We'll just blame it on Siri. Well, yeah. Siri, Siri's to blame for a lot of things, I feel like. Awesome. She's not dependable, but when when I do need, like, real hardcore answers, though, she's there. She's there <laughs> for the research. <laughs> she's everyone's BFF right now in quarantine. Oh, my gosh. I bet. I wonder how many people are just like, I just need to hear a voice. So I'm going to talk to Siri for a second just to get her to answer me back. Or like Alexa. Oh, yeah. Alexa, especially. So good. Oh, I think mine just turned on. She's listening. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? Do you ever watch, um, do you watch Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, occasionally, yeah. He, he did like a thing where he would like ask, he would get you know, his guests to have their Alexa. And then you would have to, like they would both play this game where they picked a word, but then they had to like describe it to Alexa. And then she would have to like, whoever, whoever said the right description that would make her say that word, they win. Which I'm like, that's so oh, creative. Interesting. That yeah. is really creative. Yeah. See? Okay. I know. That's, what's up. that's my favorite. Well, thank <laughs> you. You're the best. I'm so glad thank we got you to so meet. Much, Absolutely. Yes. Have a great I rest of your... You, uh, stay safe oh, and thank stay you. sane. <laughs> trying to (laughs) yeah you know keep smiling yes thank you so much emily take care girl all right bye bye thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the young entertainment professionals podcast to get connected visit yepnashville.com and follow yep nashville and yep los angeles on social media i'm your host libby olrich and until next time discover cultivate accelerate